much better than this. Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Wednesday episode of the show. Folks, if you're looking for more great NFL content in the form of a podcast, check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. It's a great duo. They talk ball every day just like we do. So check them out, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Kyle, happy Wednesday to you. Happy Wednesday. I am inevitably dreading us citing the tiers of the fifth-year options today and uh, inevitably getting them all wrong because we always fight this battle. Uh, But thanks to our friends over at Over the Cap, I have last year's official template for each player in each spot, and um, it has their tiers of basic playtime, one Pro Bowl or more than one Pro Bowl. So at the very least, we can use that framework to talk about what we're going to talk about today. I'd like to make a motion to completely ignore the financial components of this conversation and just make it about the decision in terms of the player and the merits of what they've shown through two seasons to make this decision. Well, I was just going to say that there's a lost episode somewhere of us trying to do the financials on this one time that has never been released. So I'm I'm team Joe on this one. Do not go down that road. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Cool. Now, I think I think the structure of saying of saying that there are guys that have already made a Pro Bowl, so they're in a different tier. Correct. That's that's worth noting. But I think trying to figure out what the money is, no, no, no. We we save that to the professionals. We do well, that next year. Yeah, but you know, part of the reason that that episode got flushed, if you guys remember, is because we had the cap reduction, and it was mm-hmm. like, how does that factor into the formula? So. Yeah, we we won't get into financials <laughs> specifically, but we, we will do um, tiers and acknowledging that the tiers have different costs. All right, so let's uh, let's start fifth year option, Arizona Cardinals number one overall, Kyler Murray, the quarterback. He's on track to get this thing picked up, right? I don't think there's any way Kyler doesn't get his fifth year option picked up. If we're being honest, I mean he he's. He was the 2019 AP Defensive Rookie of the Year. He met the expectations that were in place. Wait, he he was? A, he was the Defensive Rookie of the Year? That's offense, incredibly impressive. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Chris. A 2019 AP Offensive Rookie of the Year. And um, the production has been good. The consistency has not. But I think there's plenty that you can point to in Arizona and point to uh, the coaching dynamics there. And the offensive line, which has been a work in progress, and they went out and they addressed that. And you know, Kyler has done very well for himself for a player who had the narratives that he did before the 2019 draft about his size and translation to the pro game. And uh, it, it really helps when you have a coach that's willing to formulate his entire offense around your strengths. And, and that's what Kyler has right now. I look at Kyler Murray, and I think the, the conversation I'd like to have right now is is – where he was in 2019 versus 2020, I think he was a better player. I think the Cardinals were a better team. They went from 5-10-1 to 8-8. Eight and eight. He increased his co- completion percentage by 3%. His touchdown percentage went up by 1%. His sack percentage went down from 8-1 to 4-6. Um, his QB rating, 87.4 to 94.3. You know, Even if it was his, you know, those metrics like adjusted net yards per attempt, net yards per attempt, those went up. I, 
I think it's fair to say that Kyler Murray did take a step in year two. So, Chris, as somebody who lives in this Arizona world, are people satisfied with where Murray's at? Are they looking for more this year? Like, what's the vibe on Kyler Murray as the the surefire face of the franchise? This is our guy. He is the guy. Yeah, I think it's both. I think there are expectations of he needs to not play the way he played in the second half of 2020, but also he has proven to be the guy that we want to be their franchise quarterback. And, and Kyle, you asked at the top of the Kyler discussion is that that there's no scenario in which it, the option doesn't get picked up. I tend to agree with you, but I'd like to throw out this hypothetical for you guys and tell me what you guys think. The only reason why this pick was made was because Cliff Kingsbury was hired as the head coach, right? If there was any other head coach, I don't think this pairing ultimately does happen. So let's say they don't make the playoffs in 2021. Well, Cliff Kingsbury may not be the coach in 2022. So if a new coach is going to come into the fold in 2022, are you going to saddle him with with Kyler Murray down the road? Are you going to saddle him with a big-time extension? Are you going to saddle him with a fifth-year option? I don't know. Just some food for thought. That could be a potential scenario that plays itself out. It almost... Go ahead, Joe. I was going to say that I think that hire would be made with the understanding that Kyler's the guy. I, I feel like Michael Bidwell would force that into whoever the coach is. I agree wholeheartedly. I, I think especially if Kyler has another year of production, uh, similar to what he had this past year, uh, regardless of you know the ability to win close games and, and tailing off down the back half of the season, the raw production's good. He's a number one overall pick. He's an electric athlete. The Cardinals would absolutely hire the next coach and say, hey, who wants to work with Kyler Murray? Uh, I I absolutely think that their thought process would fall along those lines. But um, that's why you play the games and that's that's why you don't always assume these things happen. Right. Because you never know, uh, just like you never know when a team is going to take a quarterback at 10 overall that they traded up for and then draft (laughs) another guy with the number one overall pick at the same position. It's just. It's a weird game, this NFL team building thing. All right. So shall we continue our discussion with Nick Bosa, number two overall pick. San Francisco 49ers was outstanding in 2019. Nine sacks, looked like a star in the making, and then only played in two games. 2020 has the knee injury. I think we can all say that if he's like he was in 2019 this coming year, that this is a a surefire yes obviously staying healthy and regaining his form is the big question. Yeah. Uh, he's another one of these guys that has a pro bowl to his name already. Chris, this was the 2019 AP defensive rookie <laughs> of the year, not Kyler Murray, but um, Nick's got a big year ahead of him from a financials perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously there, there's a tier for playing time. There's a tier for pro bowls. He's already hit the tier three, uh, the tier four, if he gets another Pro Bowl, you're talking about a difference of approximately $3 million more into his fifth-year option uh, from making that leap. Uh, so from Nick's perspective, coming back, bouncing back in a big way, not just to kind of remind everybody how good he is, but also to uh, have a financial payoff. There's going to be a lot on the line for Nick, but Joe – even if Nick Bosa got hurt again this year and missed a majority of the season, 
I still would not mm-hmm. foresee San Francisco not renewing the fifth year option because of how good he was as a rookie. It's just the unfortunate string of, of injuries. Do yeah, you agree that, with that? Yeah, that's that's a fascinating idea to bring to the table. And we never can predict injuries, and we certainly hope it doesn't happen. But right. to put it out there, the hypothetical, you know, Bose is good for a few games and then he's done for the year. Man, that you're fully guaranteeing that fourth and the fifth year when you pick it up for a guy that just at that point, you'd have to have major questions about everything. I mean, because that would be three of the last four years he had a season-ending injury. Yeah. I, I'd i have to pause and say, we love you, but we need to know you can be here. Let's play this thing out, and if you can stay healthy, we'll, send, we'll extend you. So you would not give him the fifth-year option no, no. If he if he had like a season ending injury early in the season, man, I that like I mean, it's literally three of the last four seasons. So this is now a trend. Shuby, what do you think about this? Like, I mean, does that am I crazy for suggesting that? Well, I, it just depends. Like, San Francisco's in a weird point of their life cycle, right? Where they're kind of all the chips are in the middle, and I know they kind of hit the reset button at quarterback, but the rest of this roster is at a point where they're trying to win. So, you know, can can you? Give that kind of I I think if I was looking at it this way, because after this offseason, any of the first round guys can sign an extensions, right? Yeah. So I think I'm more comfortable even with a season ending injury. I'll pick up the fifth year option. I'll give you two years to prove me wrong, and then we'll talk about an extension. Cause I'm not giving you an extension now. So I think it's one of those scenarios where San Francisco, I think either way is going to probably pick this thing up and see what happens. I see where you're going with that. I, I think sometimes when we say no on these things, or you know, when I say we, I guess me in this hypothetical scenario. Yeah, don't it doesn't me mean this. that's it. It doesn't mean that's it. That's like it's over. Like you, you can't continue playing for the team. You know, no, but you, you only give yourself a one year sample size. Like let's look at let's look at it from what the Panthers just did with Sam Darnold. Right, they traded for him and picked up the fifth year option. They gave themselves a two year window to evaluate the player. Right, where that's what this would do for Bosa. He had the great 2019. You pick up the fifth year option, even if he gets hurt. You give yourself another two year sample size to to evaluate the player. I don't think there's if anything that, wrong with that. If anything, that's a hedge. I, and I see where you're going with it. Like, if you don't pick it up, and then he is healthy and has 16 sacks, which is fully within with the realm of possibilities. Now you're boned. You're the Cardinals and Hassan Reddick. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, you've convinced me. Pick it up. There you go. Lock it in. <laughs> New York Jets number three, Quinn and Williams, defensive tackle. Um, he was awesome last year. He showed exactly why the Jets picked this guy number three overall. And I'm not even sure it was the best situation for him to fully unleash his playmaking ability. I- I'm expecting him to take another step forward this year and Robert Sala's defense and um him being a problem to block for opponents for a long, long time. I think this is absolutely trending towards the yes. Having Carl Lawson on that oh, yeah. defensive line is going to help a ton. Sheldon Rankins, too. Yeah. Yeah, they've added some nice pieces uh, up front defensively, and they'll they'll need that defensive line to perform well and in a big way uh, to kind of cover for the, the areas of the team that have not yet been addressed defensively, uh, specifically in the secondary. So, Quinton Williams, yes, I think this is a no-brainer. He does not have a Pro Bowl to his name. Um, I think if he plays again this year, like he did last year, this is, you're probably talking about a pro bowl defensive tackle and, you know, he'll get a big yeah. boost as far as the financial kickback, but like Vita Vey and Deron Payne were defensive tackles in the 2018 class. Uh, 
Deron Payne was in the tier two, uh, which was playing time. Vita Vea missed the playing time tier because of injuries. Uh, and, and Vita Vea's fifth year option was 7.6 million, and, and Deron Payne's was 8.5. Had either one of those guys made the Pro Bowl, their fifth year option would have been $11.7 million. So I, if you get another year like Quinn, from Quinton Williams, like what you got last year, and I know that there was some heat on him early in the season because he didn't come out guns blazing very early on in the year, um, he could be worth it no matter what that price point comes to. I feel like Sheldon Rankins being signed by the Jets is the least discussed, meaningful move that has been made this offseason. It's like a glossed over thing. I think that's fair. I think that's a it, fair observation. Like, honestly, if these guys are healthy, who's got a better interior duo of pass rushers than that? Somebody's he, yelling right now for sure. Yeah, at us. you just oh, you opened right. up a can of worms, and I'm not gonna you know <laughs> sit here and be the pinata for your oversight. Sure. So fair don't, enough. I didn't bring it in, and we're not gonna go through the exercise of pulling up all 32 to find it. It's uh, really good. The point being, right? It's really, it's good. really good. It's really good. It's really good. Okay, so not really good. The Raiders here at number four, <laughs> Cleveland Farrell uh, was the fourth overall pick. And uh, the the baseline, you know, even if Cleveland Farrell did not qualify for the um, the tier two, just as a tier one, you're talking nine and a half million based off what Marcus Davenport's was uh, this past cycle. So, and and that could be even higher as you start to see things accelerate back up again uh, as the salary cap continues to rise. So, you're talking approximately ten million dollars for the fifth year option uh, for Cleveland Farrell. This is one of those ones, Joe, that for me, it's like you need 2021 to be a monster year for you to bring that inspiration into the fray or any level of confidence that a fifth-year option for you is something that deserves to be on the table. Because as of right now, uh, those expectations have not been lived up to. If I could come to Farrell's defense... It's not his fault that he was the number four pick in the draft. And with that becomes comes a lot of expectations. He has not met those expectations. However, I do think we have to be careful to not think of Farrell as not a good football player because I think he's a sufficient starter. I think he's an above-average run defender. I think he showed some growth as a pass rusher last year. He's just not the impact player you expect at number five overall, or the salary that comes with it, or the salary that comes with picking up the fifth-year option. So I don't want to completely dog this player because I think he's reasonable. But reasonable is not what you're looking for at number four overall. Yes, it's a good take. All right. Well, he might, what, what's, what's, the, what's the threshold for snaps? Do you remember? I don't. Uh, it's 50%. Across like, okay, it isn't it fifty percent across three seasons and like seventy five percent across two seasons. Okay, so it, it sounded it's, right when I said it. I got it here. It's seventy five percent or greater in two of their first three seasons. He has not hit seventy five percent in either of his first two seasons, so he's not going to qualify for that one. An average of seventy five percent or greater over all three seasons. He played forty two percent of the snaps last year, so he's probably not going to hit an average of seventy five, even if he plays one hundred percent of the snaps in twenty twenty one, or fifty percent or greater over all three seasons. So he's not going to qualify at all for anything other than tier one, unless he makes a Pro Bowl. 
Shuby, is there a reason you were clapping like Timon at the end of uh, Lion King when they're on Pride Rock there? What was that about? I, I that got it right. Analogy. Oh. I got I got the the the, the <laughs> qualifications right for what kind of snaps they needed to be. And Chris kind of reminds me of Timon <laughs> now that you mention it. <laughs> What's going on? Here? So it's, is this a reference I don't understand? Is that what this the is? Lion oh no, King? Shuby, brother, brother, if you tell me you haven't seen the Lion King. <laughs> Maybe as a kid. Oh, Maybe as a kid, he probably says. start to finish. I don't remember it like. Oh my gosh! It's probably the, the warthog and the meerkat. Oh, yeah, it's about a puma. I know who they are. Oh, okay. So then, yeah, you get it. Oh boy! You just said you kind of remind me of Timon. To, the Lion. I'm I'm in my mid thirties now, and the Lion King still bleeds into so much of my life. Yeah, because they did a crappy live action reboot like two years ago. Hey, and I'm talking about the cartoon. I, you leave you leave Donald Glover and Beyonce out of this. You understand me? <laughs> just, wait a minute. Just like just like we weren't bl- blaming uh, Cleveland Farrell for getting picked fourth overall, I don't blame them for the bad writing in that movie. If I was a young warthog. If I was a young warthog. Okay. Shuby, brother. <laughs> you, okay. Yeah. Uh, listen, foot, football fans, listen up. Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics, text DRAFT to 231-231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testafin, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, text now, and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Text DRAFT to 231231. That's DRAFT to 231231. Message and data rates may apply. Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. Go ahead, Joe. Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata to Devin White and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who picked at uh, number five overall in the 2019 NFL Draft. And this one is about as cut and dry as you could possibly draw up, as far as I'm concerned. This is a slam dunk yes. I, I think this is open and shut, as easy of a yes as any of the first five picks that we have discussed. Yeah, it's done. Pick it up. I say we move on to Daniel Jones. Yeah, fun fact. Devin White not been named to a Pro Bowl yet. Really? He's not given credit in this resource yeah. I'm using for a Pro Bowl, which means uh, he is currently only a Tier 2 extension. If your editor assigns you a writing assignment about players making their first Pro Bowl in 2021, let me suggest Devin White. Devin White. To be one of those players that Devin you're about. White. He'll have approximately $3 million on the line. Oh, go get it, bud. Go get it. So let's have a Daniel Jones conversation. <sighs> Here's my first question. This is this is what came to my mind as we were. It means no worries. For the rest of your days. Daniel Jones. Has Daniel Jones been a better quarterback than Sam Darnold, who got his fifth-year option picked up under different circumstances? But well, it's because of the, it's because of the different circumstances that he got one picked up, right? Sure, but 
we do have 27 games, 26 starts of Daniel Jones. Let's say he's the same. Let's say he's the same this coming year. Then this current press is not going to be able to make the decision. Man, you guys are all about Dave Gettleman being gone. Like he can't survive. He can't survive Daniel Jones not becoming elite. Well, Dave Dave hitched his wagon so significantly to Daniel Jones that I think that's, (laughs) you know, and I'm being serious. It's it's like, you know, he's he's got some goofy quotes, right? Yeah. And it's, he's got so much stock in Daniel Jones being the franchise quarterback that if he swings and misses, then I don't think the team's good enough with a swing and miss on Daniel Jones this year to survive. Um, it'd be different if Daniel Jones was a bit played abysmally bad this year and the Giants won nine or ten football games. But if Daniel Jones plays abysmally bad, Giants ain't winning nine, ten football games this year, right? Probably not. Are we I'm not trying to make excuses for Daniel Jones, but are we talking enough about the offensive line there last year? Not having Nate Solder, having to start rookies, Saquon being injured. So so but okay, Joe, let me let me throw it back at you then. Yeah. If he then does exactly what you said before, he has a similar year this year than last year. I would then, be disappointed. Then everything you just said is not an excuse anymore. Well, Saquon's so is, back. They signed Kenny Galladay. Right. They used a first-round pick on a wide receiver. Like, what more can you give the guy? Do it or don't this year. Do it or don't. But I'm trying to give the guy a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because there were some difficult circumstances for him to navigate last year. You know your defense is really good. You can rely on that. You've got everything you need. I wish they maybe had another piece on that offensive line. So this is definitely a do-it-or-don't year for Daniel Jones. But I'm not I'm not fully comfortable pointing to last year and saying, you know what, that's who he is. Because I think he can get better this year. He's gonna have to play really well for me to be convinced that he gets the fifth year option. I mean, he's so the, what, turno- the, the turn the turnover worthy plays have been very problematic. So you, it's do you believe Daniel Jones is going to turn the corner this year? I'm inclined to think he's not. So what turning the corner means is that can you measure that statistically? Can you measure that with a yeah, team cut, success? Cut your cut your turnover worthy plays in half. Don't have one of the steepest splits versus man versus zone coverage. Play with consistency and win football games. Like you, you got to do it all. It's all got to get better, significantly better, for me. All right, let's uh, let's talk Josh Allen, the defensive end, edge rusher for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Had a really good year in 2019. Ten and a half sacks. Only played in eight games last year. Is this a copy paste to the Nick Bosa conversation? Probably. I think that's yeah, I mean, he was good as a rookie. Yeah. I think he had what? He had ten sacks, right? Ten and his a half rookie season. Ten and yeah. a half sacks his rookie season. Um 
the versatility that I think he he has adds even more potential value. Um, let's see if you put him in the bucket with this is interesting. So I'm looking at the way that they were scored for uh, the 2018 class and just kind of thinking about what Josh Allen would be classified as, as a defensive end or a linebacker. What do you, what do you think he would be classified as? I would think a defensive end. He better hope so. Cause there was, there's more money on the table. Uh, Brad, Bradley Chubb was a pro bowl tier three, uh, fifth year option, but he's classified as an edge and in parentheses linebacker. And his tier was about his tier three was approximately $200,000 short of what it would have been if he was classified as a defensive end. So for Josh Allen, that's going to be an interesting development as well as what he's going to be classified as because there will be financial implications for the team and for his bank account. All right, so he's got to be healthy, show what he did in 2019, but in a lot of ways, the Nick Bosa dynamics exist. Yeah, and I think even if he gets hurt, I would still be inclined to pay him the fifth-year option, and then if things go sideways or it gets off the rails, then then you can you know explore an extension-slash-restructure, which is something that we saw... Uh, the Miami Dolphins, Devontae Parker, where they gave him the fifth-year option and then gave him an extension and, and broke it down. Um, so that's another thing that, that can be on the table if a guy, you reach the, that fifth year and you're still you're, you're cash-strapped and you think this guy's got potential, but he's got to continue to prove he can stay healthy and be available. Ready for TJ Hawkinson? I am, yes. This should be a pretty quick conversation. Number eight pick in the draft. Uh, did you know that TJ Hawkinson was third in the NFL amongst tight ends and receiving yards last year? Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, TJ Hawkinson, number three. So he must have had in the 700s? 723. Gasicki had 703. Yep. So there's, a major, there's a major problem with that statistic that you just brought up, Joe. I'd love to hear what the problem with that is. Uh, he doesn't have the same quarterback throwing him the ball this year. I think with the disrespect for Jared Goff is a little crazy. It's not. It's not Stafford, but like, let's not act like Jared Goff is this completely terrible quarterback that's incapable of being productive. And they have a good offensive line. We'll see what he looks like outside of McVay. I'm fascinated to see what that looks like. I because, agree, but he's not like terrible. Well, he and I. I don't disagree with you. But I also remember what he looked like with Jeff Fisher. Man, that was his rookie year with like horrible I things. I understand yeah. that, but Detroit's offense isn't going to be particularly good, which is why they're going to run the ball and be in the top 15 in rushing next year. Right, Chris? That would be a no for me, Kyle. That's a no. <laughs> That's going to be a no for me, boss. Well, um, I mean, we don't know how Jared Goff is going to respond to there being a lion on the field. Right. I'm so game. glad, Kyle. I'm so glad you put this in the Slack today because I saw it and I forgot it to bring Joe. it up. It was Joe. Oh, yeah, it was Joe, 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 thank you for bringing this up. The, the the man wants a lion on the sidelines to intimidate everybody. It's incredible. <laughs> put behind the kicker, dude. How do you not like Dan Campbell? You can't. You can't not like Dan Campbell. 
And like they might be that that fun, lovable four win team again this year. But man, I hope he gets his his brand of guys in there, and I hope he gets a legit chance to stick the landing. Yeah, because yes. that that could be a very much pain in the butt team to play if they if they get some good personnel in there, and it seems like they got the right folks in there to to push it in that direction based off this year's draft. Uh, we pick up this option because he's the only pass catcher that Detroit has. Well, yes, and and also because it's going to be <laughs> cheap. And, you know, he's already got a Pro Bowl under his belt, uh, but a Pro Bowl fifth year option for a tight end uh, for tier three as of last year with Hayden Hurst was $8.1 million. You're paying that. And even if he goes out and he gets another one last year for Hayden Hurst, it would have that tier four would have been 9.6. It wouldn't even been $10 million. And if he's a two bro hole tight end and you're not paying him $10 million, then like, yes, it's worth it. So put me down as a, an emphatic yes for TJ Hawkinson. All right, the Buffalo Bills picked Ed Oliver, defensive tackle at number nine. I think Ed Oliver has been really good as a pass rusher. I think his run defense has been an issue, not necessarily as a rookie. Last year, it was not great without Star Latulale next to him and him having to play more in the A-gaps. Um, the Bills are fiercely loyal to their players. I think predictively, they will pick this up. And if you guys remember the conversation we had about Tremaine Edmonds and I think you can apply a lot of the ideas that I had from that conversation to Ed Oliver, but they picked up Tremaine Edmonds like and in, in acted like it was a no-brainer. So I want to see more from Ed Oliver, but I think they will pick this up, and I think Ed Oliver has shown enough as a pass rusher to warrant that idea. I'm not going to argue with you on Ed Oliver. I do think it's a complicated case. Um, but you have the understanding that he played a lot of times out of position this past year, and and you have more sympathy for uh, an underwhelming season. It's just kind of like, when is Ed going to get the chance to play a full season at a spot in which is best? Because he didn't do it at Houston either, right? So it's like, it's like, geez, can we get this guy to play some three-tech and just stay there? Yeah. Well, and he came in with that John Randall... Aaron Donald type disruptive right. ability. You know, I mean, that was kind of the the labels put on him, and he hasn't been that, you know. Like, well, and and the not hype, many the, people are. The hype really built because he he announced he was declaring yeah. like before his final season even started. Right. So right. you know, you assume, and a lot of people assume a player of that magnitude and profile who, who's wow this guy's coming out and saying he's he's declaring for next year's draft already and it's august like this guy's a beast or, or it was even earlier than that it's like february it was, yeah it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah it was next real year's early. gonna be my last year and it's yeah. like oh okay this dude must be a legit baller and like his tape right. was good his tape was good but it's it's kind of just that role for him versus and he deserves credit for being a team player and and playing his butt off in a role that's not suited for what he does but uh it, it certainly hurt his productivity as far as living up to the expectations of being a top 10 pick March 5th before the start of his junior year Oliver right. announced that he already intended to forego his final <laughs> year of eligibility and then do you recall if you recall Kyle whenever the initial odds to be the number 1 pick in the draft came out 
Oliver had the best odds to be the first pick. I'm glad yeah. you said that because the next sentence of the Wikipedia entry on Ed Oliver says, in May 2018, ESPN draft analyst Todd McShay projected Oliver to go number one in the 2019 yeah. draft. Lofty expectations, right? Uh, okay, we ready for Devin Bush, number yeah, 10 let's overall? Do, let's do Pittsburgh Steelers, traded up for Devin Bush, and you know, much like the conversation with Josh Allen, the Jacksonville linebacker, and much like the conversation with Nick Bosa, I think those same things are perfectly applicable uh, to Devin Bush. He was phenomenal his rookie season. He was really good. Yeah. Uh, and he looked good again uh, until he got hurt and, and missed uh, double-digit games this past year. So uh, he's the centerpiece of the defense. I think he's probably – a no questions asked fifth year extension that's going to happen. You're just hoping that he can stay healthy and, and uh, be back to maximum capacity as far as his explosiveness and uh, have the same impact. But uh, it almost be more scary if he played this entire year and didn't look to be himself, right? Like that would almost introduce more questions for you than like if he came back and he looked good and then he got hurt again. Yeah, I'm with you. I think this is a slam dunk. Yes. And I'm realizing right now how many of these top picks from 2019 got hurt last year and we didn't get to see enough of. Yeah. Well, it's going to continue here with our next one, too. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs including MLB, NBA, NHL, and the UFC. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit in the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code LOCKEDON. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Folks, if you haven't tried Built Bar yet, I don't know what to tell you. You got to try these things out. It's the best tasting protein bar on the planet. So many amazing flavors. They're all covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. It's like eating a candy bar, but it's good for you. And in fact, right now, the birthday cake flavor is relaunched for a limited time. I've already ordered two boxes. I suggest you do the same. Built Bars are like a candy bar, but they're good for you. They're great for anyone who is health conscious, whether you want to lose weight, maintain weight, or just indulge in a delicious treat. You have to try Built Bars. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for anyone who is on the keto diet. We've got a deal for you. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So, Kyle, yeah, you're not wrong. The uh, injured guys conversation continues with Jonah Williams, the number I, 11 pick. Can, can I butt in real quick here? Yeah. Every time you say delicious treat, it makes me want to giggle on the Bill Barreen. Why? Um, just <laughs> <laughs> That's an upgrade from delicious. doing a run-in on the read and just repeating delicious. what Joe says. Just, so. just hearing him say delicious treat, I think it's funny. You know, Kyle, that that's what they've asked us to say, and so why do? <laughs> I'm guessing your built bar reads do not include that phrase. No, I'm a little bit more off the cuff. Yeah, I, I just but you know, I guarantee the next time you do the built bar read, you're going to think about saying delicious street out loud. You're going to laugh. I think it's <laughs> at the point now where I pretty much just like go in cruise control. 
Except for we'll I did see. improv a little bit there because I was excited about the birthday cake flavor. That's true. I That's really true. did order two boxes, man. So, yeah, I just had to get that off my chest. But Jonah Williams at 11 for the Cincinnati Bengals. And, Joe, this this one for me might be a pass if he gets hurt and misses like three quarters of the season again this year because he missed all of 2019. He played in 10 games in 2020. If he comes out again and he misses a significant amount of time, like if you get through three seasons and you have not played 16 games, that is the kind of durability trend. Uh, and, and, you know, he played well when he was healthy this past year. Mm-hmm. But I think those those trends get a little alarming. And, and for an offensive tackle, you know, that that's – going to be a a pretty penny as far as what the cost to lock that position in is would be. So uh, I I guess that would be my concern. If I was Cincinnati, I'm hoping I get a fully healthy Jonah Williams for the entire season. So it can give me the clarity. I need to make this decision in the best way that I can. I think that's fair. We need to see Jonah play every game, be consistent and show that he could be a stalwart for the offensive line. So I think it's fair to simultaneously say he was really good for the 10 games that he played, but he's got to play more and needs to be available and consistent and reliable for the team. Number 12, Rayshon Gary, defensive lineman, linebacker, edge defender, uh, whatever you want to classify him as Rayshon Gary here, uh, Probably not right now, right? As far as what he's been for Green Bay, um, he's, he's he would pressure be, last year. I will say that, right? Like, yep. I would put him in the same boat as what I classified Cleveland Farrell and Daniel Jones as 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 of right Ooh, now. Really not, but has the potential to change the narrative with a strong season this past this upcoming. Oh, that's. Season. That's a fun layer, Kyle. I think Gary has a better shot than Farrell right now. I mean, the guy had 46 pressures last year. Yeah. In 349 pass rush snaps. He got a lot better. And I think as he defines his role even more, that athleticism can kind of take over. 23 years old. I mean, he'll be 23 for his entire third season. I'm optimistic on Gary. I got to be honest with you. So how many of his rush? How many of his rush snap or of his uh, snaps were rushes? Three hundred forty-nine. So almost a lot. One hundred seventy-three run uh, snaps. Yeah. So, so three hundred forty-nine out of five thirty. It's a ton. So he was very much a pass rush specialist yeah. for Green Bay this past year. And you know, let's let's be fair about who else they have there up front yeah. and Kenny Clark and Zadarius Smith. And you know, those guys will, will get you a lot of one-on-ones. Um, I would say it's, it's, it's fair to put him above Cleveland Farrell in likelihood, but I would still put him in the same bucket that he has a chance to really solidify his standing. But if he comes out and he plays 45% of the snaps again this year, like he did this past year, and the sack production's not there, and if he takes a dip in pressures, then 
I think there's enough there to, to really be skeptical about a fifth year option. That's going to be a significant amount of money, even if he's a tier one player, which he, I mean, right now he's on pace to be a tier one player. He hasn't, he hasn't even top 50% in either of his two seasons. He was really good against the Rams. He did not show up against Tampa Bay in the uh, championship game. They needed him. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I think that's a fair, that's a fair way to look at it. Trending well, still need to see another good season. Yeah. Yeah. So number 13 is Christian Wilkins. And uh, uh, we alluded to this when we did the redraft talking about Ed Oliver and Christian Wilkins as two interior defensive linemen for the two teams that are nearest and dearest to our respective hearts. And uh, for a lot of the same reasons that you talked about with uh, Ed Oliver, as far as, you know, taking care of your the guys who really buy into your system and uh, Christian kind of being a identifying piece of the locker room and a culture fit and being really reliable in what he does. Uh, I, I certainly think he's going to have a really strong case, especially when you consider Christian Wilkins to this point has no Pro Bowl accolades or anything like that. So he's going to be uh, a tier two player at best unless he comes out and makes a Pro Bowl this up, uh, upcoming year, which feels like a long shot. Uh, he's played 65 and then 62% of the Dolphins defensive snaps through his first two seasons. So if he gets uh, 50%, plus again this upcoming year so as long as he stays healthy he'll be a tier two uh extension which would put him according to uh last year's the 2018 group that had vita Vey and deron Payne. you're talking about eight and a half million dollars for the fifth year option. oh you, you're probably gonna want that you're you're gonna pay yeah. for a guy yeah. who's gonna play 60 percent of your snaps he's gonna be a really reliable plug and play he can play in the a gap he could play in the b gap he could play base end there's versatility there, really positive energy within the locker room. It's just all those things combined uh, hold value to Miami. And you wish the splash plays were more frequent, uh, but some of that really just comes down to his role in utilization. But he's he's a piece of the puzzle that fits for Miami. And, by the way, he, he's played 156 and 157 respective special team snaps as well is what he's been given credit for. Let me ask you this in terms of that system, which I think we can tie back to the Belichick system. Mm-hmm. Has there ever been a defensive lineman that had monster numbers for that? I mean, like even Richard Seymour, who's like revered as a defensive lineman in that system. He wasn't like a, a production guy. Seymour's uh, like probably Eric, the best example, right? Who, Seymour? Seymour's probably the best example. Yeah. I thought about uh, Trey Flowers, but it's like, that's not the same position. Right. And see, I mean, Seymour was a seven-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro guy, but even his 57-and-a-half career sacks over 12 seasons. He played eight in New England and four with the Raiders. Um, 91 tackles for loss over 12 seasons. So he wasn't even averaging 10 tackles for loss for his career as a guy who's perceived to be uh, a reasonable candidate to be a Hall of Fame Hall player. Of yeah. Right. It's yeah, just yeah. The, the production <laughs> emphasis is not there, and I think that's a great observation to make. I think you'd have better you'd have better examples if you went through some 
alternative Belichick disciples and yeah. players that they've had. You think about like J.J. Watt in Houston and a little bit of a different role, right? Yeah. But still played inside, outside. And um, the, I think those are better examples of, of – but as far as Belichick specifically and, and the Flores defense shades very, very close to that, uh, no, it's just not something that you're going to see a lot of. Yeah, and I, I just think we have to remember that when we talk about Wilkins because I watch him play. I, I watch a lot of Dolphins football, and I'm like, he's a good player. Yes. It's just like you you go back and you're like, oh, he only has three. Well, how many sacks does he have? Three and a half? Three and a half sacks. For right. That's not going to move the needle for anybody, but I'll tell you what, Richard Seymour, I mean, most of his seasons like were five, four and five sacks. Yeah. He had a couple eights in there and that was really it. For the most part, it was four or five. That was like the normal amount of sacks he got. So I don't know. And I just want to keep that perspective because I think he's good. Chris Lindstrom. So what's our answer there? Yes. Especially with the the dollars. Yeah. That's definitely a yes. Yes. Uh, And that would actually, those dollars would be the same for Ed Oliver, if I'm not mistaken, right? To Uh, from a playing time perspective. Yeah. Would he qualify as 50% over all three seasons? Uh, now I've asked myself a question that I don't have the answer to. Let Chris shaking out. his head here. He is completely distraught that we were doing so well from a timing perspective, and now we're going to throw He's it in reverse. Exactly 54% of the snaps in each of the first two seasons. Well, this is a big year for him then. Okay. I'm just I'm just angry at my friend for asking a question and not being prepared for the answer. Like that was that's more what I'm upset about. That's why you ask questions because you don't know the answer. You know, unless you wouldn't <laughs> ask it. <laughs> well, sometimes you do. That's called a rhetorical question, right? And I try not to answer ask those. All right, Chris Lindstrom, guard from the Atlanta Falcons. Um, he's been a good player for them, man. Um, I know he had a little bit of an injury in nineteen. If I'm not mistaken, uh-huh. came back, played all year this past year. Absolutely an above average guard in the NFL, in my view. This is an easy yes. Now, here's the only thing that my answer is yes as well. I just cannot wrap my head around that you have edge defenders and defensive ends and linebackers who get classified and split differently, but all offensive linemen are given the same designation. No way. According to the are you gift. serious? Yes. yes. Unreal. They're just all lumped together as offensive linemen. Offensive linemen. That's unreal. So Billy Price, Frank Ragnow, Mike McGlinchey, these all guys, all of their tiers were exactly <laughs> the same finances. That is so Quinn ridiculous. Nelson. Because in real life, the application of those dollars is very different from a tackle Correct. to a center to a guard. Correct. Why don't we just call them defensive backs? Great point. Is corner and safety different? I need to know the answer to that. Uh, yes, corner and safety is different. Oh, my gosh. That's unreal, man. So the base level last year for Tier 1, uh, all offensive linemen combined was $10.4 million. <laughs> So those interior guys have to love it because their, yeah. their salaries are getting drug up like crazy. Way up. Way up. Yeah. All right. Where are we at here? Dwayne Haskins, Haskins, number 15, to the fo- our football team. <laughs> Wait a minute. He doesn't, does he have a fifth year option anymore? He's been waived. So 
Yeah, it he cleared was waivers. He, was he? Did he clear waivers? Because if he, he did, si- then he signed a new deal with Pittsburgh. Yeah, so it's gone. So it's gone. Yeah, it's so gone. This is, we can We don't this even is, get to have this conversation. This is the Josh Rosen thing. It's if once you clear waivers, that contract is yeah. surrendered. You're done. Right. Done. Brian Burns. Brian Burns. Yes. Number the sixteen. Answer's yes. <laughs> the answer is going to be yes. And let's get this guy to the the damn Pro Bowl, please. Yeah. Please. What what's the what's the financial implications of a Pro Bowl for Burns? Probably three, four million, something like that. Uh it's like three and a half mil. Yeah. Based off of last year's figures for defense events. So it would be a big get for him. Uh, and he's certainly trending in that direction. But not a math guy, but it's sixteen is half of thirty two, which means we are done for the day here on the check ins for the fifth-year options. We hope you guys uh, enjoyed this sit-down, kind of talk through the top 16. Uh, We really only had – how many guys did we flag? We flagged Furl, Daniel Jones, Jonah Williams as a question mark, Rayshon Gary as a maybe, and then Dwayne Haskins is already out. So you've got four out of 15 in the top 16 picks that we put question marks next to, which would fall in line. I know you guys remember when we did this for the 2018 class and we got through like the first half and we were like, we didn't pick anybody to be a no really other than anybody really other than Josh Rosen. Right. So it's kind of like, Oh, okay, well, (laughs) and lo and behold, uh, you went, I think it was everybody in the top 18 other than Rosen got theirs actually renewed and then you had uh, Ragnow at 20. So 18 of the top 20 actually got theirs renewed in reality. So uh, it's the good trend. It's, it's moving in that direction. It appears we have that on our hands here as well. But you have to come back tomorrow and find out how we feel about the back half of this 2020 or 2019 NFL draft projecting their fifth-year options. I'm Kyle Krabs with Joe Mernier and Chris Schubert. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Draft News Podcast.